So I, um, I was driving up, uh, driving up, I was flying up to Seattle, um, and a conversation began to become very, you know when you're leaning into God, when you feel your spirit leaning into God? And I felt myself just constantly leaning into God and saying, God, will you please show me about these times? Will you speak to me about these times? Will you show me more about these times? You show me more about the times, God, even of the place I'm going to. And I was uh, on on the plane and I had a vision while I was sitting on the plane. That's the only way I know how to put it. I just had a vision. And when I had this vision, it was very profound to me, and it was very simple, but it was very profound. What I saw was, as I saw a great whirlwind come in in the midst of you. And I saw this whirlwind beginning to move all across your your lives, your congregation, this area, this, this region. I saw this thing coming, and as it was happening, everything that was debris and that was loose and that was filthy, got sucked up. And I saw it just get sucked up, and I saw this whirlwind just like go down the road and just take it with it. And as it got sucked up right behind it, I saw things just beginning to emerge out of the soil and just greenery coming up out of the soil and life coming up out of the soil. And it was almost like God was saying, I'm sweeping things away and I'm beginning a new life-filled moment in this house and in this people and in this region. And so God really, really spoke to me very profoundly. I remember one time I'll share a funny story just to open you all up a little bit. So... When I was a kid, I grew up on a farm in central Illinois. And when we grew up on the farm, uh, you know, there was, you got up at five in the morning and you worked and you worked until dad said you were done working. (laughs) And uh, we were out in a tin shed. We had a big tin shed that we did work in. And uh, we heard a noise and dad looked out and there was a bright green tornado that went just, just to the west of us and just past us to the west of us. And as it went to the west of us, it would change colors as it went through different areas depending on the soil. If the soil was kind of a black, it would turn kind of a green. It would hit a clay area and it would turn kind of a a red and then it would hit another area and it would turn and it would change colors as it was going. It was a very interesting uh, thing. And uh, it was going, and Dad looked, and he said, my gosh, that's headed straight towards Willard's house, and Willard's my great uncle. And Dad threw us in the car, and we went tornado chasing, because he wanted to see if Willard was okay. Willard was my uncle, but Willard was very precious to my dad. And so we went over, and we came up to the farm, and sure enough, the tornado had come through the entire front fields of his farm, and every, every blade of wheat was gone. Every blade of corn was gone. It had been sucked up in those two fields. But as we drove, we, we came into his lane, and the, the entire field was bare, And we pulled into the lane and we came up the lane and dad was panicked. He says, where's Willard? Where's Willard? Where's Willard? And he looked on the front porch overlooking that field. And there was Willard sitting on the front porch in his rocking chair. (laughs) And he was just rocking. And dad said, Willard, did you see that tornado? He said, well, yes, I did. And dad said, well, were you in the basement? He said, no. He said, I'm old. I've spent my whole life hearing about these things, and I just figured I'd stay right here in this rocking chair and watch it come by. And he sat right there, and he watched that that tornado come right. I mean, I'm, I'm talking from here to Sam. I'm not kidding. Like that far, just the other side of the fence in his front yard. And that thing came through. And, you know, uh, Whirlwinds are incredible things. The real word there is tornado. It's, it's really not, uh, you know, like a little whirl. It's not like when you're out in the desert and you see a little, you know, dust. What do you call those things? Dust devil. It's not like a dust devil. This is like a major suction. Like your ears pop. You, you hear a silence and then a freight train. I've been through, I think, four or five of these as a child growing up. 
I'm very, very familiar with whirlwinds. And so when God spoke this to me, I thought to myself, wow, this is an interesting picture. Um, now, I want to ask you, did the worship team make it back in now? Because I've been stalling for about three minutes. I know how worship teams are. They walk out, they go get a breather, they get a glass of water, and then they come back in. So I want to start with you. Um, and I want to say something to you. If you could just stand up and just maybe come up front, actually. This one right here. And maybe, maybe somebody could just stand with her for a second. Um, so last night, God was speaking to me about you. And what he showed me was that as I'm talking about a tornado, that you've been through a season in your life that's been like a relational mess, a relational tornado, and it's just come through, and it's just broken your heart. It's just broken your heart. And what the Lord told me to share with you is don't run. Do not run because it's been so much for you. But the Lord told me to tell you, carry the ark. And if you carry the ark, I'll bring somebody else to carry the ark with you. Did you hear what I just said? If you'll carry the ark, I'll bring somebody to carry the ark with you. You know what that somebody represents, right? Do I need to make that a little plainer for you? <laughs> but hear what I'm saying, okay? Hear what I'm saying. You've been through this, and you're tough, and you're strong. You know, there's all this heritage of God in your life that goes back for generations, and so you feel it. But it's wound up in you, and I feel like it now it's just going to come up out of you and oh my gosh, what God's going to do. Ooh, God, what he's going to do. Whew. You got to stop leaking now, girl. Let it out. Just don't leak anymore. Let it out. Just let it out. Amen. Amen. Praise God. The young man that was the big guy playing the bass, is he still here? Is Bruce here? Huh? Get him. Get him because Bruce has, God has something for Bruce that's going to change his life. Remember something, when you prophesy, you don't just pray what is, you pray what is to be. See, I'm good at stalling. I'm an excellent staller. Bruce, how's it going? Come on up here, man. Bruce, I want to share something with you. And maybe, John, you can come up and just stand with him. Jonathan, Pastor. Now, Jonathan, I didn't have a word for you last night. I came in this morning, and then God spoke to me while I walked in. But what the Lord showed me is you becoming a great tree with shade on every side. And I saw people and young people that were coming up under your protection and your shade because of what God was doing in your life. But what God spoke to me is, is all the hell that you went through as a kid was so you could relate to them and love them and have compassion for them. And so the things that you have been through were there to prepare the things that he's called you to be which is to be this great shadow and this great shade. And so it's beginning to see yourself differently. From this point on, it's you seeing yourself very differently. Seeing yourself according to the God that he's, that's, that's been there for you in the middle of it all. I see something so powerful for your life. Let God give you a new vision and let him give you a new call there with that. Okay? Amen. Amen. Does that make sense? Okay. You're not just a big guy, you're a big tree. You're a big guy, though. How tall are you, 6'5"? Six, 6'8". Oh, geez. My Lord. You're almost my height right here. Yeah. <laughs> Debbie, I have something for you. I didn't have anything. I wanted something. I wanted something the last two days. But I didn't have anything. <laughs> I know this is sad that I'm crying. 
But I feel that this is God's heart towards you. Is that he's weeping with you and he's weeping for you. <laughs> and Debbie, as you walked in the door, I saw you walking in the door and behind you a piece of airmail coming behind you. Like this, like a piece of airmail right behind you just flying through the air. It's a weird picture. And I felt like the Lord just told me that it's not going to happen the way that you thought it would happen. And it's not happening right now the way that you thought it was going to happen. But it is going to happen. Just like he promised you. And so there's a piece of, there's an answered prayer right behind you that's coming down and it's going to answer the thing that you've been concerned with and worried about and heavy about. And for you, that's always been a theme for your life is you've always had to have an answer from heaven. You've always been that kind of person. And so this should be normal for you in a weird kind of way. (laughs) Crisis, chaos, an answer from heaven and normality in that. So I just want to encourage you. Amen. Gosh, the weeping prophet. Now my Jeremiah here. So um, there's so many things I would, I would like to share with you. I want to tell you two years ago, I, I had a vision in my room. And by the way, I'm talking about visions. I don't have visions regularly, but I, I had a vision in my room. And I'll just share it with you very quickly. I, uh, I, I stepped off my bed and I wasn't in the room. Um, that's the only way I know how to put it. And, uh, I was standing on a street corner and there was a gray building and in this gray building, people began to walk out of this gray building and they walked down to the street side and they said, um, they said, uh, can you show us how to cast the devil out of people and see people go free? And I turned to them and I said in the, in this vision, I said, that's easy and as I turned to my left, there was a young man dressed in black with a black hoodie on sitting on a, 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 bus, a bus bench. And I placed my hands on him. And as I placed my hands on him, dark spirits just began to flow out of him. And it was just like an effortless ease type of thing. This is the authority that God's given us in the church. It should be easy. Listen, it's easy. The authority of God on our life should be easy. The enemy tries to make you think you need to work it up, but you have the authority of God. Jesus gave it to the church. All authority has been given to you. All authority has been given to you. And so um, in the dream, that was a very minor part of the dream. I looked up and to my left, there was an angel with a trumpet in his hand. And as the angel was there, he was very beautiful and he was lifting the trumpet up and he was going like this. I could see him going like this with the trumpet. He was bringing it to his mouth. And I knew what God was showing me is that there wasn't the trumpet sound yet, but that the trumpet sound was coming, that there was a a warning for the church and a preparation time for the body of Christ, that we had an opportunity to respond before it blows and to prepare before it blows. So say this with me, pray, Pray. prepare, prevail. Prevail. What happens if you don't pray? Nothing. Nothing. No prevailing. And trust me, there is something that this thing we've seen in the earth in this last little season is a prelude. It is nothing compared to what is coming upon the earth. It is a preparatory grace that God has given for his body and for people. This is just the rumbling. And how many of you as believers feel that in your belly? You know that this is just a prelude. You know it. If you're really honest in your middle, you know. See, we've had some that say, oh, I just want this to go away and go back to normal so I can live my normal life. That will never happen. There is no going back to whatever that was. That is not what's going to happen. What's going to happen is ahead of us right now. Amen. And so when he was lifting it, I knew that there was, and then all of a sudden it was like person after person began to come to me and talking to me about trumpets, 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 trumpets. And even last night, one of the prophets in our church had a dream and he said that he heard the phrase, pray, 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 pray. And then 
he heard another voice say, there's a clarion call. And then he said he had a, a, a third dream. And in the dream, there was a man that was in a wheelchair And he had lost his son and he was heartbroken about his son. And he was worried because of what he had lost and he had shut his heart down. How many of you understand it's easy to go through something and shut your heart down? I'll say this to you. When we shut our heart down, the enemy is rubbing his hands together. We cannot shut our heart down. You know what happens when you go through a a rough thing in your past? is you start living your life to make sure you don't ever go through that again. But the problem is, is that when you're preparing yourself to not go through it again, you're also living very defensively because you're being defensive. You don't realize it, but you're going forward as you're going backward. You're trying to avoid the next pain instead of understanding something about life that life has pain. And so we have to understand, I'm not going to not be a part of this house. I'm not going to not be a part of what God's done. I'm not going to not be in my full identity in Christ just because I went through something in the past. Listen, I went through some terrible things in the church. In the church. I've got some sheep bite scars I could show you. They're just so nice. But the truth of the matter is we can't live according to that. You wear your scars like trophies. You don't wear wear them like open bleeding wounds. Listen, there's been all kinds of false doctrine and there's going to be false doctrine. But you know, people ask me, what's your, what's your theology? My theology is very simple. I read the Bible and try to agree with what it says. And I believe that most of our theology is defined by the life that God has us live and the experiences that we go through in life as he has us live them and we get to know God. That means that his your theology will be somewhat different than my theology, which will be somewhat different than Pastor John's theology, which will be different than Pastor Jonathan's theology or my brother here's theology because we've all been through things and we align our life to the word But there's things in our life that are emphatic because of our experiences. Does that work? You understand what I mean by emphatic? In other words, things that are highlighted. That's your ministry. That's your anointing. Right? Like some of you have been through betrayal, but you have an anointing to free people from the bitterness of betrayal. You know, that's what you've got to understand. Some of you have grown up fatherlessness and fatherlessness, but God has become a father to you. And now you have an anointing to cancel the orphan spirit and fatherlessness over others. Now, if you don't understand that, you misunderstand the God who says he's my devil. Because the devil is God's devil. Some people think that this is the battle of two equal and powerful opposite. No, this is the Lord. The devil thought he had done something when he crucified Jesus. But the Bible says that if he had really known, he would not have crucified the Lord of glory because God was setting him up. Setting him up. Saying, I'm going to make it so dark. The darkness is the... The veil's going to split. It's going to be a mess. Everything's going to look so messy. And I'm going to do this. And it's all a setup for resurrection. It's all a setup for me showing off and showing out and showing up and doing my thing. Right? This is the God we serve. If we forget the God we serve, we start serving another God. And I don't want to serve that powerless God. I want to serve the God that there's lightning around his throne, that there's fire in his eyes, that at his voice, the mountains tremble. Woo. And some of us, the only reason we're dissatisfied Christians is because we're not living in that revelation and power that we know God has for our life. Let me tell you something. God has so much for our life. God wants us to know him and know his word, but he also wants us to experience him. In real ways. In practical ways. In powerful ways. You say, what do you mean practical and powerful? Oh, I don't know, about a month and a half ago, 
I got a desire to go out and buy a horse. That's a very expensive desire, just so you know. If you don't know, just call me and I'll give you the vet bills. I bought this horse. I went to buy another horse. And as I was going to buy it, um, I realized the horse I was looking at was too old, not going to do what I wanted it to do because I want to trail ride with my sister. And so the lady looked at me and she said, I'll sell you that paint horse over there for a thousand bucks. And that's a screaming deal for a horse that comes out of Joe Hancock and Peppy Sensation and has all these cool lines. And that's a screaming horse. I mean, that's a $10,000 horse right there. And she said, $1,000. And I said, uh, she just, she was kind of like a Ma Kettle type. She had animals all over the place. It was not clean. I just wasn't sure about it. I left. I went to look at two more horses, three more horses. And what could I only think about the whole time? I could only think about that horse, that paint horse that she said she'd sell me. And so I go back and insane as I am, I said, well, let me get in the pen with her. I go to get in the pen. She walks to the other side of the pen, turns her back to me. That means when a horse turns its back to you, that is the ultimate sign of disrespect. Like, come on over here and I'll kick you right in the teeth. And I realized, but I, I just knew I was supposed to buy this horse. So I said, I'll give you, I'll give you the money. She said, great. Come to find out this horse had knocked her 50, about 20 feet one time. And she was terrified of this horse. She'd go and defeat it and it crowd up against her for the food, knock at her, had no respective distance. And the long story short is I put her in training for two months and I've been training with her. And now I've been riding all over the place and we're getting a horse that's not just a rebellious horse. But just recently she wouldn't take the bridle. She just one day decided, I don't want that bridle in my mouth. And every time I will go work on this horse, God would speak something to me different about the church. And I went out to work on this horse that day and she would not take the bridle. And God said, this is the time you live in. This is the time we're living in. Everybody wants to be so independent and no one wants to come under the government and the direction and the authority of God. And we're guarded and we're afraid and we're so fearful of getting close to people that we think that our freedom is our own personal independence when we don't realize it is our very bondage. Our bondage is that thing in us that doesn't want to submit to anything, trust anything, move under the government of anything. But when we come under the government of God and all that that means, something new begins to happen in our life. We begin to have a great adventure in our life. Does this make sense what I'm saying to you all today? But we've been through things and so we become guarded. I want to read something to you in Nahum. Can you turn to the book of Nahum? Nahum is a minor prophet uh, found towards the latter part of the Old Testament. And it is a bit of a tough find. So I will tell you, if you see Jonah, keep going. If you see Micah, keep going. It's the next chapter, next one. If you get to Habakkuk, he just went a little too far. Some of us have probably not read the book of Nahum in quite some time. I know that I hadn't. Um, And I want to read this to you. Now, Nahum is a prophet that God sends. To understand Nahum, we have to understand Jonah. Because Jonah was sent to a city called Nineveh. And he refused to go there. He might say he was fighting the bit. And so he went the other direction and found himself in the belly of a great well. And when he came out of that belly, he looked like a freak show. There's no way that he came out of the belly of that well and had any hair on his head. He had no hair on his body. He was bleached white. He had a weird look about him, which God will do with prophets sometimes. Leave me alone. <laughs> and so he took and he, and he went to Nineveh. He hated these people. And God gave him a message to call them to repent. And he... And he And when he did it, they started repenting. And instead of him being joyful for the repentance of Nineveh, he went and found a large squash and sat under it and had a pity party. 
And so we see something about Nineveh. Nineveh has repented. Now we're going to fast forward a hundred years. And a hundred years later, Nahum comes to Nineveh. And Nineveh has backslidden. The Assyrian ways have crept back in. The things, now let me listen to what I'm saying right now. We've got to let go of the idea that America is just a Christian nation. There are Christians in the nation, but we have to see this for what it is. Now remember, God had mercy on Sodom. He said, I would have had mercy if there was just a few people, a few righteous people. So there's a bunch of righteous people in this country, and I believe that's why God continues to be so gracious and merciful and not just come upon us without expectation. But we have seen violence like the Assyrians, we have seen idolatry like the Assyrians, and we have seen sexuality out of control like the Assyrians. And these three things are intense. I wanna say this to you. Listen, where we are going, I want you to understand something. I'm reading a book right now. There's a guy writing that, that, that I'm reading right now and he said this, he said, we're going towards artificial intelligence. There's a new society that some architects in this country want to create, and that is through artificial intelligence. Many of these men and women are very relationally uh, awkward. They're detached, they're addicted to virtuality. And that's why you're seeing all of the rise of perversion happening within the sex industry. Listen, they've already made people, made dolls that look like people that do profane things. We need to talk about this. And they're working on robots that will literally have artificial intelligence so that there won't be the need for a man or a woman because you'll be able to do whatever that is like that. And I want you to understand the darkness on the rise. The enemy would love to do these things. And we have to understand the darkness that is coming upon us. Jesus, Jesus, the darkness trembles. Let me tell you why this stuff is happening. Because as we were talking about the other night, as the rising of godliness is happening, the rising of the mystery of iniquity is happening. And it's because the enemy knows he does not have much time left. And so he's giving his great big, all the way kind of far back pass he can give. What's that called? A Hail Mary. He's trying with all of his might. But he's not going to have his full way. If you read your Bible, you know that. Now, I want to read this in Nahum chapter 1, verse 1. It says, The burden against Nineveh, the book of the vision of Nahum, the Elkishite. God's wrath on his enemies is what it says. God is jealous and the Lord avenges. The Lord avenges and is furious. The Lord will take vengeance on his adversaries. And he reserves wrath for his enemies. The Lord is slow to anger and great in power and will not at all acquit the wicked. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind. I want you to read that with me. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. We need to read that again. The Lord has his way in the whirlwind and in the storm. In the middle of chaos, God has his way. In the middle of the storm, God has its way. You might say it's God's whirlwind or it's God's storm. Isn't that powerful? Because it, 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 how we relate to the next season is how we're going to come out of it. Now, we can do a lot of different things. We can be complacent. We can be compliant. We can be complicit. We can be all of those things during this next season. We can be in denial. We can act like these things aren't happening. Listen, I'm going to say this to you all. If it, the reason we shouldn't do that is because our young people, there's an attempt by the enemy to get them so hooked in their soul and their flesh on, on virtual things. And you know it because it's trying to get us too. And the enemy's trying so hard to get us so hooked on that that we become socially awkward and relationally awkward so that we can't relate. 
Because what the enemy ultimately hates is our relationship with God and our relationship with one another. This is a ploy of the enemy. Do you see what I'm saying today? Now, as you look at that, the other thing I want you to see is that I said their flesh and their soul. But what the enemy doesn't realize is all of those things that he's trying to create cannot touch the spirit of a man. And so it leaves a great void in the spirit of a man. And it leaves a great, when there's a void in the spirit of a man, it begins to create hunger. Let me say it again. God's devil. And God knows this. And so God, how many of you have been in prayer meetings and you said, God, bring a hunger over this nation. Bring a hunger over this nation. God, create hunger in your people. Well, guess how he does it? Right like this. Because the enemy's trying so hard to feed the flesh and the soul. But the spirit of man is famished and saying, this isn't scratching the itch. I'm tired of this thing. That's why, how many of you are really tired of the cruelty and the junk you're seeing on Facebook right now? Dear Mr. Zuckerberg, we are tired of it. By the way, a relationally awkward person that is looking for some type of virtual way to have relationship instead of having relationship. And now I'm so wealthy, I'm a billionaire that I'm up in an ivory tower and nobody can get to me. And so I am more isolated than I have ever been. Bill Gates, do you hear what I'm saying? Awkward, up in your ivory tower and no one can get close and tell you the truth. Your emperor's clothes look beautiful. I'm saying this because it needs to be said. Because in the middle of all these is a fatherless boy, a a lonely boy, a lonely girl that's hurting and that hasn't had its spirit fed in a very long time. And the only way is it requires a demonic twisted desistance to even exist. You see this because people are taking pills and doing all kinds of things to try to survive because their spirit is so empty and so hurting and so in pain. You know, I'll tell you this. I went out on one date with my wife. One date. And I got in the car to take her home. And I said to myself, I will never go out on a date with any other woman after this. Because I'm going to marry that girl. Because when we were talking and we were together, there was something there that connected in the middle of me. And that was it. It was like, that's the person. And young people, I want to tell you something. Middle-aged people, I want to tell you something. That is a real thing, and it exists. And don't let the devil or anybody else tell you it isn't, because it is. That was like four people. Praise God. Listen, I still believe in love. I still believe in the phrase, being smitten. I believe in it. See, some of you, you don't believe in that, so you're settling for some poor substitute. But the truth is, did she smite you, man? Did she smite? She whacked you upside the head, didn't she? You did good. You're like me. You did better than you should have. All right. <laughs> Woo. That's the truth, man. I remember one time I was working at the software company and everybody knew me. They didn't know my wife and my cute little wife comes to visit me. And it was like going out on the middle of a bunch of dirt with a bunch of gophers. All of a sudden, all these heads started popping out of their cubicles all the way down the road until she got to me. And then they were popping as she was walking out and they came to me. And one guy was so encouraging. He looked at me and he said, man, how did you do that? And the answer is because God has his way in the whirlwind. God has his way in the middle of us being hot messes. In the middle of everything going on, God has his way. And I want you to, if we do not believe that God has his way in the chaos, then we will become very odd and we will become very fearful. You'll say, God, right now it's so chaotic, it's so messy, I don't even know where to go from here. Just follow God. Just follow God. Just trust him and follow him. 
God's good at his word. Like you said, I've never seen the righteous forsaken or their seed begging bread. It's going to be okay. Amen. How you relate to this season will directly affect the definition, increase, expansion, and fruitfulness of the next season. Let me say that again. So somebody needs to write it down. How you relate right now and what's going on and what you're going through and what's happening in the earth will directly affect your definition. That means your identity, your person, your increase, your expansion, and your fruitfulness in the next season. What thing sweeps us away? Fear sweeps us away. How many good decisions have you made out of fear? I don't see any hands raised. Tell me one fearful decision you made that made sense in the end. Now, how many of you have made decisions in fear? Come on. Come on. Some of you went out and bought so many groceries at the beginning of COVID, you didn't know what to do with yourself. I told my wife, I said, some of these people, they're going to buy all these groceries. They're going to go bad in 45 days, and then they're not going to pay their rent. And I didn't do that. That wasn't me. I did it. I bought extra groceries. I did. Yeah. And then I went, oh, okay, well, it's going to be fine. There may be a time coming when God does actually say, now prepare. And we need to be ready for that too. Because the Bible leaves room for that. But that wasn't the time. He rebukes the sea. Oh, I'm sorry. Let me just keep going. And the clouds are dust under his, of his feet. He rebukes the sea and makes it dry. He dries up the rivers. Bashan and Carmel wither and the flower of Lebanon wilts. The mountains quake before him. The hills melt. This is our God. And the earth heaves at his presence. Yes, the world and all who dwell therein. Who can stand before his indignation? And who can endure the first fierceness of his anger? That's a question. His fury is poured out like fire and the rocks are thrown down by him. The Lord is good, a stronghold in the day of trouble. And he knows those who trust in him. And this is a huge part of it, is do we truly trust in the Lord? Do you trust God over what's going to happen in this next season? How many of you think something else is coming? Come on. Guarantee you. Guarantee you. I can give you 10 trillion reasons right now while something else is coming. It's called a national debt. And some people are like in denial about that, like it's magically going to get paid for. Let me tell you something that adds up to inflation, 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 inflation. And to ignore it is to not understand the times and the seasons. Right. The Bible talks about that, where a loaf of bread is sold for an incredible amount of money. And then suddenly God does something else. But what I want to do is I want to say this is I want you to look ahead and know that these things are going to happen. And then I want you to look past them. Okay, because here's the challenge. If you just look to them, you are going to be overwhelmed and they are coming. But I want you to look through them. And I want you to see what's on the other side of them, which is a great spiritual awakening and a great revival that's going to be happening. And it's starting to happen, but it's going to happen in this world as people do not have the answers and they are looking for the answers. And God is giving us as the church an opportunity to get ahead of this instead of walk along with this. That is where true prophets are being called out because the true prophets, they will get you ahead of what God is going to do. They won't just tell you what's happening. That's an echo, not a prophet. And they won't make you false promises and tell you things that aren't true and make everything like Pollyanna. For you young kids, Pollyanna was this girl that thought everything was wonderful and it was going to be wonderful. But that's not necessarily the case. I've been telling my church, you need to raise your children with courage because they're going to go through something and they're going to need courage. 
We need to find courage in God. This young man over here walked up to me and he said something to me so profound this morning. He said, I, I was asking God for courage and God just kept telling me, let me give you love. And he said, what do you mean love? He said, what I realized was love makes you courageous. I was like, that's it. That's it. Love make, when you know you're loved, when you know God's with you and he's for you, that's true courage. That's not the phony courage. That's the courage courage. And that's a little nugget, man. You don't, don't stop living that one. Don't, and when you get away, come back to that one. That's what us guys do too, is we remember, oh, it's all about love. Never mind. I'll just go back to the love of God and I'll be fine. Okay. See, the answers are right here in the house. How much time do I have right now? Maybe 15? All of it. You guys are great. You trained them well, didn't you? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Um, I want to warn against fear, negativity, anger with sin. Let me say that again. Fear, negativity, anger with sin. I didn't say anger. There's some things we're going to be angry about. It's not sin to be angry about something. It's sin to be angry and sin. Anger is actually a human emotion that God's given us to say, whoa, and to set up a boundary and say, that's as far as you're going to come. That's, that's a boundary thing. It's like, whoa, hey, you're not going to do that to them. Hold on. That's anger. That's righteous anger. So this idea of just putting little flowers in our hair and Jesus is this, this little, you know, it's not God. Let me tell you, he set a boundary. He took out a whip and he said, that's enough of that. Hear me today. <laughs> because there's another type of anger that comes with sin that's in the earth right now. It's, it's full of rage and it's full of spoiledness and it's full of entitlement and it's full of all kinds of wicked things. Greed and wanting what other people have and all kinds of stuff is in this anger. And the church needs to say it because it's existing in the world. Life hasn't worked out the way I want, and I want more. That's not a good thing. Warning against that. Do not invest your soul in these things. Hatred, unbelief. Hebrews 11 says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. When is it? Now. Now, not someday. Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not yet seen. Amen? Years ago, I have a young man that was in my youth group. And um, he uh, had married this nice lady. And they had bought a Dickie's uh, barbecue. And um, he had an incredible gift as a plumber. And he's got an incredible gift as an entrepreneur. And I came to him and I said, Mike... That thing that you bought is going to die. It's going to go broke. It's going to wear you out. That restaurant is going to wear you out. The product's not enough high quality. And I said, and it's going to just tear you down. And I said, but the problem is you have a million dollar business right underneath your nose and you're not seeing it because all you can smell is barbecue. Now I'm going to read something that he wrote and sent to me last week. He wrote a letter to himself right after Dickies went broke. He said, dear future such and such, on this day, August 3rd, you have no money in the bank, a non-profitable business, approximately $20,000 in personal debt, and you have received your first PG&E shutoff notice. You are currently living with your parents, with your four kids. You don't have much food in the fridge, and you can't afford to buy your children new clothes for school. By the end of the year, you will be debt-free, and we will have substantial money in the bank account. I declare $100,000 sitting in my bank account by the end of year, this year, and our business will be profitable. We will not have a worry about our PG&E bill ever again. We will have food in the fridge, our kids will have new clothes, and we will have the opportunity to move out of our parents' house if we so choose to. 
And these things and more will come to pass just as we have declared it. We will wake up and say Hanini to God, anticipating the all that he will have for us each day. When we stumble, we will not be set back, but we will continue to move forward. And we will never again become captive to any guilt or shame. We will be the best that we can be and allow the Holy Spirit to fill in our weaknesses. We thank you, Father God, for your goodness and prayer, your goodness, and we rest in you. We yield ourselves to you, Holy Spirit spirit to work in us and through us simultaneously we give you permission to move us and to use us before we fully understand and we say yes to whatever plan or purpose you have called us to we thank you father god for your goodness your abounding grace and your immeasurable mercy we thank you for our beautiful family our wonderful church and all the blessings you have given us to you be all the glory so be it He goes to work as a plumber. The guy that is the general contractor of that plumbing company gets so angry at the investor that he packs up and leaves. The investor says, you seem like a smart kid. Why don't you run it? He has Mike run that job. And within six months, Mike has completed that job and he is promoted and he is asked to work on other developments. God sets him in a type of plumbing business where when everything else is going to stop during COVID, he gets busier than he's ever been because of the type of, man, of, of um, plumbing, manu- uh, plumbing uh, construction that he gets involved with. God is so wise and we don't understand Two years go by. The end of that first year, he has over $100,000 in the bank and his kids have no worry and are wearing new clothes. Three, four years later, now we're three years later, he is an elder at my church. They have millions in the bank. Because God has made a way. And anytime there's somebody in our church that they feel that has a burden to start something that's been a dream, somehow they just show up and want to invest in that person's dream and be a blessing to their dream. And now they're watching it happen in other people's lives. But he had to start by not, and and then with Susie and I, when he was in our youth group, we called him the poorest kid we've ever seen. We would go to his house and there would be rats because they lived by the river. There'd be rats that had eaten holes through the wall and they were living in this place. They were living in this shack of a thing. His dad is now his chief foreman helping run the business. He cries all the time, says, that's my son. I'm so proud of him. Look at my son. That's my son. Because it's not about where you came from. It's about what God wants to do with you. And he and this other young man have decided that they're going to be a blessing and they're going to do what God's called them to do with a crazy kind of faith and it's working. How's that for good? You say, that's a nice story about him. What does that have to do with me? And therein lies the problem. Right? You see, sometimes it's time to get a new word from heaven, a new vision, and become a captive prisoner of hope. Sometimes in our life, everything seems to dry up, and that is actually the moment where something is about to begin because God has set the devil up and resurrection life is about to happen. Amen? Okay, there's a reason I'm saying this. Chris Ludwig, will you please come here? I have a word for you. And your wife, if you'll both come here. Chris Brown, Chris Brown, I said Ludwig. He's like, man, that's a long flight (laughs) from South Africa. (laughs) Nice move, Cleve. You and your sweet wife. I guess there's some kind of connection there, too, from what I've understood. (laughs) I don't know what you're going through. I don't know anything about this, okay? I'm just going to share with you what God showed me, Chris. God showed me that you're going through a heavy season. A heavy season. But the Lord wants you to know that this heavy season 
is going to be followed by the best season of your lives. It's going to be an incredible season and you're going to show people what it really means like to go from glory to glory to glory to glory. Because God's wired you for such a time as this, you and your wife. This is what you're wired for. These seasons are what you're wired for. This is where there will be some that will fall and there'll be some that accelerate. And this is an acceleration time for you. But what God showed me is in your mind, you've been content to be like a ranch style house. But the Lord told me to tell you that he sees a palace, that you've seen a ranch style house. You've been content with whatever he gives you. But God's been showing me that you've got all this in you, that he spent all these years investing into you and that the best stuff is about to come out of you. And it is going to be so amazing, so beautiful as God just pours through you wisdom and knowledge and the prophetic and clarity and seeing and having visions and being encountered by the Holy Spirit, like even in a way that you've never experienced before, the two of you. There's going to be a lot of you two finishing each other's sentences where he's going to say it and you're going to finish it for him. And I think that might be the dynamic anyway. But this is God. So don't be discouraged in the heaviness that you're going through. I don't know what that heaviness is. I just know that that's what the Lord showed me. I looked up at you over here and I saw this weight. And I'm telling you, this is just going to be like, God, this is what I've been longing for. And I felt like God said, I'm giving him a new vision. I'm giving him a new, just a whole new vision over your life. Make sense what I'm saying? Okay, good. Because that was scary for me. Okay. (laughs) Praise God. Sam, come here. Pastor Sam, please come here. (laughs) He's my friend, so we do this sometimes. Here's what the Lord showed me. That your life and your wife's life is like a living prophecy. Because like Isaiah and Jeremiah and Ezekiel, you're a true core prophet. There's been a lot of false prophets and echoes that are now being exposed, but true prophetic voices are coming forth. You're pre-emergent. That's the phrase God gave me, you're pre-emergent. But get ready because life and fruitfulness is coming up and through you like crazy. You've had a moment to just say law and just poise, but get ready. Because it's going to come up out of you and it's just going to be like, my goodness, Lord. And there's not going to be any lack of confidence or caution like you had before. Like an, ungo- like an ungodly caution. Like you, you knew there was something more, but you would hesitate. That's not going to be there like that. There's just going to be a freedom for you to run because you're trustworthy and you're a son and you're a trusted son in the house. But like Isaiah and Jeremiah, the Lord is touching your lips this day and going down into your heart. The Lord says pure streams, holy flow and cleansing words. God says pure stream, holy flow and cleansing words. Disregard the faces of men and their opinions and speak my word son and it's all coming with it all of it the full full package is coming Sam you don't have to worry about anything you don't have to worry about anything you don't have to worry about anything it's all coming it's all coming your kids are going to be so blessed oh God oh God just have your way God have your way but remember what I said you're a living prophecy because you're a real prophet that means before you say it you live through it that way when you say it, it's got do, it's got a it's got a punch, it's got strength, it's got stuff to it, it's got glory to it. God, we just thank you for this in Jesus' name. We thank you for this in Jesus' name.
know, I could, I could go on. I don't, I don't want to totally go on. I just want to, I want to say this today. There was a word that I said to him that I felt like was for this house, which was we've got to stop seeing ourselves as a ranch style house when God has called us a palace. We've got to stop seeing ourselves as less when God is saying that's not who you are. I want to say this. I literally was standing up there when we were praying over Jonathan and I just saw all these weapons and all these things in this house that have been put together to prepare for what God is going to do. And you know, there's some of you, you've been like a sword where you just stick people. But God's changing you into a plowshare where you pick people. You're going to go from sticking people to picking people. (laughs) And there's others in this place, you've been, you know, you've just been a spear. You've just kept people at a distance. But God wants you to become one of those sickles where you just wrap yourself around them (laughs) where you're not just the spear that holds people at a distance but you're like a sickle that wraps it around and brings in the harvest you ever seen a sickle when you take it through the wheat it just wraps around it and God has brought people God's brought this family this family right here this family is really like an important family this family right here I mean like a harvesting family I'm telling you there's a harvest around you all a harvest around you all, a huge harvest, a huge harvest. And, and your husband is like a chain. He just breaks chains. He just breaks chains. He just breaks chains. He sees people tore up and other people like they're so bound. And he's like, what a great opportunity. <laughs> this is what you were wired for, man. This is how you are. There's many around you. There's many men around you that are are bound in brokenheartedness and complacency. And they're going to come to the Lord. They're going to come to the Lord for real. You're tired of them coming to the Lord like a mixed multitude, aren't you? Where they come halfway in. It's time for them to come all the way in. Hey, with what we're going through right now, I just want to prepare you. There has been a mixed multitude in the church. But remember this, when the mixed multitude come, came, the power went. Did you hear that again? When the mixed multitude came, and there was those that were kind of like not all the way in and not all the way out. But that's not the hour we're living in anymore. Where progressive and popular and t-shirt Christianity is going to work. It's going to take more than wearing a theme on Sunday and being cool and hip. It's going to take stuff and substance and reality and weight and glory for where we're going. And that's what people are going to be looking for. They're not going to be looking for coming and being trendy anymore. They're going to be looking for where is the word of the Lord? Where is the clarity of God? And I'm all for looking cute. Come on, y'all. Let's pray. Say it again. Pray, prepare, prevail. God's going to poise us. God, we just thank you today, God, for this word. God, we thank you for the words that you've spoken in the hearts of men and women in this place. God, we thank you for the families that are in this room. God, that you're calling forth, God, to have a fresh poise and a fresh clarity, God, and to step into all that you want them to be, God. I pray for the elder in this room, God, the ones that need to finish well. I pray that the power of God would flow through their veins, and God, they would finish in such glory, God. Lord, I pray for those men and women that have the poise of God and the clarity of God that they would come forth in the name of Jesus. Lord, I thank you for this house. And God, I thank you for what you're about to do and you're doing. And God, I just believe you in Jesus' name. God, to fully have your way. Remember something. Not many wise and not many noble. You, feel, you may feel a little awkward or a little clumsy. Those are the ones God uses. <laughs> do it clumsy. Do it awkward. Do it fearful. Do it whatever, but do it. 
Just do it. Just do it. Amen? Just be who you are. You young people, be who you are. Be who you are. You, you too, be who you are. Just be who you are. Bring in the harvest. Amen? Amen. We love you. I love you. I hope you were blessed today. Amen? Maybe we could just stand up and just finish. Maybe we could just finish by singing one chorus. You know the song, the love song. You sing it. You pick the song. He still always does this to me. I know. I thought you were going to pick the same one. <laughs> okay. oh, hallelujah. I didn't know who was playing the piano. I thought it was uh, the young man. We can do that song. Jesus. Don't you love him today? God, we just thank you for your word today, Lord. We love you, Jesus. We love you, Jesus. Come on, just tell him you love him today. Oh 
There's no shadow, God. There's no place we can hide, God, where you aren't there. God, would you take this word today in each of us, God, and would you cause it, God, to grow? God, would you find root in our hearts today, your word? God, that every person in this room today, Lord, would know their value, God. Lord, they would know who they are in you, God, and they would go and they would live. God, they would breathe and they would move, God, in the faith and the courage. Lord, that you've given each of us, God. God, let the word become life in us today, Lord. We declare it in the mighty, mighty name of Jesus. Hallelujah.